What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 10 of Dream Chasing 101 podcast. Um, today we have a very close friend of mine. We used to play golf together. I used to give him a few tips back in the day. Um, and yeah, he's currently running one of the the best local restaurants in um, the area of Alexandra. And yeah, I'll just leave it up to him. Beats, give the people a bit of context to who you are and what you do. First of all, thank you so much for having me, Shan. It's a it's a great honor to be on DC podcast, uh, you know, to be the first first bunch of uh, people to be on the podcast. Um, you're doing a really good job, yes, and it's a, it's a huge honor. Um, and uh, you, was a lot of kind words from you saying we, you know, the best uh, uh, restaurant in Joburg, you know, in terms of uh, Alex. Uh, that's really nice of you. Um, so yeah, Shan, just a golf comment I'm not too happy about because it's not the truth. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, you know, my name is Vitaly Bailey. Um, I get called the owner of Bailey's, but, you know, I, I like to see myself more of uh, a captain of of a team. Um, so, yeah, we, we started Bailey's in 2019. And as you've heard that uh, Bailey is my surname. So it was... Uh, it was something that we wanted to start as a family um, and it actually started out um, and it was birthed out of something that was a bit sad or not a bit, it was very sad. Um, um, the story goes like this. Um, my aunt passed away last year and uh, there was a property that uh, she used to run and manage in Alexandra. And um, my grandfather, after the funeral, um, he asked me, you know, to say, you know, we've got this property and we can't leave this property as a sitting duck. It can't just be there. Um, you need to come up with something and we we need to get going in this property. Um, and that's how Bailey's was birthed. Uh, we, we just saw the opportunity to um, start a business that was different and do things differently. So, yeah. I think that's... Like you said, it's a, it's a, it's birth from something sad, but it's also like a celebration for your aunt in a way, and it's nice that like this is taken on as a family, a family business. Was this um, something that you yourself kind of had in mind to kind of one day own a restaurant, or is this something that, like you say, just out of the moment it it came about? <laughs> That's a very funny story, Shan. Um, um, you know, when we were brainstorming uh, as what to do with this property, I, I refused and I fought. I said, there's no way we're opening up anything food related in Alex because that's such a saturated market. Um, every second house sells food and especially the food that we sell, the Kota is extremely popular. Um, I'm sure there's, uh, I don't know, there's hundreds and hundreds of like Kota shops within Alex. Um so I was like, how are we going to do something that everyone is doing? And it's so saturated. How are we going to run a successful business in a market that's so saturated? Um, so that was a background to that. Um, but I, I quickly realized that um, as much as there was so many Kota restaurants and shops in Alex, uh, the way they were run was not what I found to be ideal. Um and we just saw the opportunity to add value to a business, uh, you know, we just, I don't know how to say it, but 
we we just saw an opportunity to 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 do business differently in a way that is run different to the norm. Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, you you're still studying. Um, just to give context, what are you still busy with now? Um, I'm a BCom Law graduate, and I'm an LLB candidate at the moment. So, how challenging has it been, kind of um, managing this? Obviously, we had a chat just before, but how how much of a challenge has it been? Has it taught you certain things? Like, what have you learned from from having this responsibility as, like you say, the captain of Bailey's and you know, the captain of your education as well? Oh, it's been extremely challenging, eh? Um, you know, trying to, you always, you always hear the stories of work-life balance, um, but I've really been pushed to the full extent of uh, my capacity as a person. Um, and, you know, as a person, you just have so many different facets to your life. You, you're not only a business person, you're not only a student, uh, you're not only a son, you know, it's just a mixture of all of that. So it's been extremely, extremely challenging uh, trying to find that balance between uh, my studies and running the shop. Um, but I mean, I, I, for me, I was thinking about it actually this morning that, um, you know, my mom completed a degree while raising me. Um, so it's almost no excuse to say I'm studying, I can't run a business or I'm running a business, I can't study. Yeah. Um, you almost have to soldier through the challenges and keep going because there's times where it gets really, it gets really, really challenging um, mentally, physically. But you you have to keep pushing and 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 keep persevering. So you guys start this this um, business up in 2019. What were some of your fears? Obviously, you not wanting to go into food in the first place. What were some of the early challenges you guys came across and fears that you thought, you know, you guys would face? I think separating ourselves. As I said earlier, it's an extremely saturated market. Um, how do we make ourselves stick out? And I think uh, another challenging aspect with that is that n no one in my family is a socialite as such. Um, and, you know, if you're going to be opening up a business in a township and that sort of business, um, being a socialite would be something that's vital because you'd be able to pull in crowds um, because of your associations. Um, so that was that that was a very a tricky thing. But I think we just relied on our guns. Uh, uh, the strategy going into the business was value innovation. Um, we just seeked to add value to every every process in in our business, and you know from meeting a customer from to the product, to the image, um, how we treat customers, all that sort of thing. Um, so that was our true focus at the beginning of the business. And even though things did start off slowly, um, you know, we just continuously and consistently stuck to our guns with that value innovation uh, and kept doing it over and over till we reached the point that we're at now. I think um, one of the, the key kind of successes to a restaurant or you know any kind of business is um like the location so being based in in alex um did that force your hand to go down the 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 route of kind of serving the the food that you guys serve or did you actively make that decision like were there other um, approaches you guys were thinking of or, or was this like the vision from the get-go um, 
That's a very good question, Chad. Um, going back to the value innovation, the way our shop, um, the, we call it an eatery, the way it looks is nothing similar to what you'd find in Alex. We've, uh, we've really invested to make it a cozy, um, a, good, a good space to be, you know. Um, so our outlook on that, we, we didn't want to limit ourselves to Alex and not to take anything away from Alex, um, but we, we wanted to give the people of Alex uh, an experience, first of all, that they ordinarily did not get, um, but at the same time to be able to attract uh, people who do live in the suburbs, uh, you know, just as a meeting ground where both sides, uh, you know, can meet and be one and be equal. Um, so, yeah. And, and another thing is also a huge consideration for us um, with going into food was that um, the fact that Alex is so populated, um, you've got hundreds and thousands of people within like the square mile. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you've got, you've got literally thousands and thousands of people who can walk and access your product. Uh, whereas if you're in another place, uh, you know, that number is a lot less. Um, so, yeah. Going to kind of, you know, being in Alex, it's a fortunate, I mean, it's a, it's an area where it's such, it's situated around kind of the, the very wealthy, you know, the, one of the richest square miles in Africa, or if it is still that, has that kind of also been a target for you guys? Have you guys gotten some business from these surrounding areas? How has the reception been um, just in general surrounding addicts? It, it's been amazing. Uh, as I said earlier on how we wanted to bring the two worlds together and, and saying yeah. worlds is the wrong word because we are one people still. And, you know, it's just, I think, circum like the two different circumstances. That's what I mean by two worlds is that people from two different circumstances. Um, so, yeah, our, our aim was to bring those two worlds together um, into a space where we can both enjoy the same things and we can both relate. Um, so we've had huge, huge support from the affluent areas, uh, Santon, Randburg, um, Rosebank. You know, we've had huge, huge orders going out there, even businesses um, ordering for like the, the office. Um, so... I think, yeah, we, we, we're closely located, so it works out perfectly. And I mean, during lockdown where people couldn't go out, they, they would call, you know, for delivery. And I think another thing is that with the rise of, you know, the middle class, more black middle class citizens, um, it's allowed for, you know, black people to move out of townships. Um, and I think they start reminiscing and start missing, you know, things yeah. things that they used to be able to get when they were younger and we've slotted in so perfectly in there because people call us and they're so excited because they have to they, they have an opportunity to eat a kota where they haven't done it in years um, and they get to experience simple things like acha you know um, and like that's something that's really exciting for them um, even mohodu we sell mohodu yeah. which is tripe um, for like you it's going to be really difficult to get that in Santon. Um, but like there's a huge population of people in Santon who'd want something like that. 
and it's really close for us to deliver. So we've had a huge, huge number of uh, people calling in from those areas and supporting. So that's been really, really great. Yeah, I think, um, like you say, you're just trying to unite people um, across the board. And I think from what I've seen, especially on like Twitter, obviously Twitter is one of the most um, inter- to interactive social media platforms. So you get to see people's reaction and you can kind of gauge, you know, the excitement. And it's, it's you know, with the other places, you know, your fast food restaurants, you get a tweet going out now and again. But with Bailey's, it's almost like every day there's like this ex- excitement to, to eat your food. How has that felt, you know, as the captain of this this team? How does it feel to kind of see that excitement almost every single day? It's been overwhelming. Eh? I was I was talking to my mother the other day and I was telling her that we've gotten about two complaints uh, since we've opened. And I was like, that's not normal. We've run other businesses yeah. and having been open for how long has it been now? Maybe about seven, eight months to have only gotten two complaints is something that's very scary for me. It's either I was telling you, it's either people are lying to us or like we're doing a flipping good job. And I, I pray that it's a latter. Um, so it's been really, I don't know, it's been humbling, you know, to see the response that people have been giving. And even things as simple as customer service, you know, we we literally doing what we know is right um, according to our value innovation approach. Um, but people are, you know, I don't know, they're so, they're so appreciative of the service that they get from us and the quality of the food. Um, so that's been really, really humbling. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey that I, I, I can't put into words. Um, and, you know, going on our Twitter and seeing some of the tweets that we get, you're like, flip, man. Uh, something really great is going on here. Yeah, I think um, what's nice is that it's, it's, it's not like um, they're looking for kind of the, the retweet from like a McDonald's kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like genuine just excitement for the brand and for the product. Um, with being open for seven to eight months, what are some of the like misconceptions people have? You know, when people hear that you have this, this business, what are some of the things that you hear when people talk to you like they believe are, you know, the issues or, you know, what misconceptions have you kind of been in contact with? I think the biggest, and this has probably been one of our biggest challenges, um, people expect fast food. Uh, they expect to pick up the phone and receive uh, an order the same time that McDonald's would, you know, uh, issue out an order. Yeah. And we have to continually, you know, keep telling people that, uh, you know, we we serve fresh food and we like the process is going to take longer because of that. Um, and like, I, I think also it, it boils down to the sort of society that we have now is that, you know, we all have been very conditioned to the idea that I press or I microwave something and it's going to come out warm in a minute's time. Um so that's been a huge challenge for us, you know, just to get people to understand that, you know, for good food, um, we we need to take a good amount of time preparing your food. Um, and that weight will most certainly be worth it. Um, so, yeah, that's been a huge challenge for us. Do you think uh, you've seen, obviously, pre-COVID, so we're talking kind of before March, 
what were some of the issues you guys were facing as a business? Well, you know, was the business um, doing well? And did you see a change once lockdown hit and when you guys were allowed to start delivering again? What's kind of the difference between the two and how badly have you guys been affected by, by lockdown? Before lockdown, we were on a very steady progress. You know, we were slowly growing our clientele. Um, things were moving very gradually. Um, and then lockdown hit um, and then we moved to level four. Um, and then things took off in a way that we never expected. Um, like COVID has been one of those very scary scenarios. Um, but I feel like it was one of those scenarios as well that a lot of opportunities um, came into place. Um, and we were one of those companies that were blessed, you know, to to be able to be in the right position to take up that opportunity. Um, so sales absolutely soared. Um, the, the thing of people actually being able to order and get their, their, their childhood favorites, you know, it, it's been that thing of reminiscing and, you know, just wanting what feels like home. And uh, quite a few of our clients have actually shared that sentiment that, you know what, um, there's a lot of uncertainty going on in the world right now. Um, to be able to taste and feel like home again is all I needed. Um, and, you know, the food that we serve reminds them of that. Um, so I think, you know, I, I, on, my, on my side, I can't personally complain uh, about the business and COVID because it's, it's been a huge opportunity um, and we were in the right position to be able to take the opportunity and run with it. Um, but it's just made life a lot more challenging. Um, I mean, you don't know when your supplier is going to close. You don't know, you know, you don't know anything. There's just so much uncertainty, even with a week of load shedding. I know I'm sorry, Shan, I'm going slightly off course, but um, I'm not. I'm with, not with load shedding and COVID, uh, we had a quite a few suppliers like, who literally you call them on the day and you want something and they're closed um, because it's either they found a case or they don't have electricity and they can't produce whatever they need to produce. Um, so it's led to a lot of uncertainty and, uh, you know, it's just a lot more difficult to make decisions in a climate like this, um, especially with a business like ours, that's very variable. You know, you, you're never sure how yeah. many customers are going to call you today. Um, it just depends entirely on the day. Um, so for us, it's been very challenging in terms of stock as well. I mean, how how much do we stock up? Because we also you you almost want to stock up enough so that if you have a challenge with your supplier, you're still able to operate. But then we're running a value innovation approach, um, which means our food has to be fresh. Um, so we have to keep rotating stock. Um, so it's been very, very challenging. And, you know, even with increasing prices, I mean, the price of everything now has gone up by a significant margin. Um, and we took a decision that we're not going to increase our prices. Um, so in terms of our profit margins, we've taken a hit there. Um, so yeah, those have been the effects of COVID. With you not choosing to increase your prices, is that kind of just you understanding the climate of you know what everyone is going through and just deciding that maybe 
it's best that you guys maybe take a little bit of the hit while kind of keeping the consumer happy is that kind of the approach yeah most definitely you know we i don't know i want to say we've 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 built loyalty with our customers so um, having to explain to your customer why your price has gone up you know just puts it just makes things challenging um and you know another thing is that our pricing is in a sweet spot it's not expensive it's not cheap um so you know for us to have increased our pricing it would it would slightly it would put us in that category of being a little bit expensive um and we want our customers to be able to consume our product every day and if a product is expensive you know it it becomes a challenge for you to order every day um so you know for us to retain that customer base we decided that we'll take the hit and you know we're praying that with the growth on our side firstly that we'll you know uh have more of bargaining power with our suppliers um because obviously pre-covid we weren't you know we were pushing out good numbers but it wasn't to the extent where we'd be able to tell a supplier or ask a supplier for our own prices um so as we grow we're hoping you know to have that bargaining power with uh, the purchasing power i mean with suppliers um to be able to ask for our own pricing how has it been obviously this is like a completely new world for you dealing with um like suppliers and what are the challenges that you kind of faced are there anything is there anything that you can kind of you know give some advice to someone who is in a similar situation or is looking to kind of get into the the restaurant business first of all like be sure you want to be there i think i think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs should understand before getting into any venture is that be sure that you want to be there because it it gets tough it gets dark at times um and it just seems like it's not worth it um and you know that passion and that drive is the only thing that's going to carry you because the numbers won't make sense um the effort that you putting in won't make sense um so yeah just first of all be sure and i think something that i've realized is that um learn to communicate um with suppliers as well um don't be scared to ask for that discount um you know that person is a business person as well and if you are able to give them a proposition uh, that's of value you know they'll listen to you um if you're able to tell them you know what i'll buy a certain number of whatever um if you give it to me at this price they'll consider it and i mean the worst case scenario is that you get a no and you slightly embarrassed or you feel uncomfortable and that's it um so communicate yeah with um covid kind of hitting especially halting right now um what are the daily what's the daily routine of um baileys in terms of you know like just to give context to people about how challenging it is to operate during this time like what are the the precautions you guys have to take what do you guys have to go through just you know to make sure that you guys operate every day um firstly we've taken the decision that no one is going to enter the restaurant space um and the seating space um you know just to reduce the point of contact um so we still serve like we on level 4 where it's just pick up or deliveries so no one is actually still seated um but i mean all, the typical day 
would be when our staff, um, the team members arrive, they'll get sanitized, we'll check temperature, write it down. Um, then what we do is all our surfaces, especially where we prepare food, we wipe down with uh, like a disinfectant. We wipe that, sort it out. Um, and it's nice, our kitchen has gloves on the whole day. We've got face shields on as well as masks. Um, and then, you know, throughout the day, we constantly make sure that surfaces are, you know, just wiped down. And, you know, whenever we do get a break, we make sure that we just re-clean the kitchen and make sure that all our surfaces are okay. Um, and I think an important thing that a lot of people forget is literally just making sure that your hands are washed, uh, no matter what you're doing. We've made it a routine that every time you enter the kitchen, your hands are going to be washed. And if you leave the restaurant space, the first thing that's going to happen when you re-enter the restaurant space is um, sanitizer. And then you go to the kitchen to wash your hands. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's something that's tricky. But I think once you get in the habit of it, it becomes a lot easier to implement. Um, and we only serve customers with our masks on as well as a face shields on um, just, you know, to ensure everyone's safety. Yeah, I think that's like the, the main thing now is just adjusting and kind of getting used to the new. I mean, it's going to be the new way of doing things for, you know, an uncertain amount of time. I mean, until we get a vaccine going, this is kind of what normal is. So and I think it, it's it's almost um, kind of a weird place because, for instance, my mom works in a bank. And for her every day to be taking the same precautions that like you guys are taking, it's a lot of effort. And I, I think sometimes people just don't like appreciate how much, firstly, you guys are currently on the front line. You know what I mean? So it's just like people need to understand how much of a challenge it is to be out there operating at the current climate. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things that you have to endure and you know, you, yeah, like none of us can do anything about it. So we just rather do our best to make sure that we come out of this in the best position that we can be. And what's the the current um, feeling around uh, your, you, the rest of the team? How, are they, how have they kind of adjusted? Is it, you know, are they enjoying, like you say, you need to try and find enjoyment in this. How has that been kind of managing this whole situation? I think, you know, we, we really took time when we reopened to explain how serious, first of all, COVID is. Um, and, you know, the consequences if one of us were to contract or, you know, I don't know what the word is. I hope contract is the right word. If we were to contract the virus, um, you know, we've, we've dealt with that extensively to say it means us closing shop. And, you know, everyone in the team takes a loss if we close shop. Um, so I think our team has been on the ball. They've really taken, you know, they've, they've run with this mission of, of, of the safety precautions and, you know, they've done it with all their heart. Um, and I think, you know, they truly understand, uh, the importance of us following, first of all, all the government's regulations, uh, as well as following, you know, the, the measures that we've put in place. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. Uh, Oh, it's not exciting. It's, 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 what's the word? It makes me really happy, you know, to see the entire team 
um, so committed uh, to you know the measures that have been put in place. I'm kind of interested with the way you guys price. Um, just going back to that, are you guys looking at, and is this the case where you have the same people kind of eating almost every day? Is that kind of the, the idea that you guys have? Um, first of all, a big flex on our side. I hope everyone understands what that means. <laughs> a little Twitter lingo. Uh, but a big flex of ours is that uh, we have such a high clientele retention rate. Um, like literally one of the things when we started was that we literally just want a person to taste the food once um, because we convinced they'll come back. Um, so, yeah, it's been... We have some people who order maybe five out of the six days or four and consistently like every week, four to five times throughout the week. Um, and yeah, going back to your pricing, we've made it in such a way that you can be able to afford that, you know, uh, to be able to eat uh, at the eatery on an everyday basis. And you're not comparing it to uh, like a pre-cooked meal at Woolworths or whatnot. Um, our pricing is affordable um, and it's the slight advantage we have over them is just the authenticity that our food carries. Uh, it tastes like it's cooked from home, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, I, I think the, the retention rate is testament to what you're asking. Um, it's affordable and people enjoy the food to be able to eat it every single day. Kind of going into, you know, the the peak of of COVID and all of these things uh what has been the most like have you noticed patterns with people you know what kind of um scenarios are you seeing play out almost all the time is it you know ordering towards the weekend or you know during the week what kind of situations are you guys finding yourselves in in a, in a regular basis um weekends are extremely extremely busy i think you know people being stuck at home um the most exciting thing you can do is probably get some good food. Um, so, I mean, that's what's been happening. Um, almost our food arriving becomes an event. You know, like you'll talk to a customer and they're literally so, so excited for food to arrive. Um, so I think, yeah, and I think another thing that's been big is that people probably have a little bit more disposable income. Those who are still earning the salaries that they were earning pre-COVID, um, uh, so yeah. they're able to spend uh, on 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 our products, especially on the weekends, because it's something that they spoil themselves with. Um, so yeah. So just kind of going back to you know giving some advice to people in the this kind of um, career sector, what has been you know the big learning um, learnings that you've come across? You know, being kind of new to this industry. And what can you kind of pass on to, to other people in, in the industry or looking to get into the industry? I know you said um, making sure you want to be there is the main thing, but, you know, kind of what else can you can you give? I think I think for us is, you know, something that's worked really, really well for us um, is giving the best product and service that we can every single time. Um, I don't know where I heard this, but... Um, Someone was just speaking and they mentioned how the best influencer for your business is your customer. So don't go spend money on, you know, getting influencers to run campaigns and whatnot for you. 
give your customer the best product and the best service and they'll be the ones who go and do marketing for you. And I think that's been something that's worked out extremely well for us. Um, you know, you sometimes deliver to someone who's got a huge social media following um, and just that interaction and, you know, them partaking in the food and enjoying the food. Um, they go onto Twitter, onto Instagram, onto Facebook and talk about that experience. Um, and, you know, that's going to bring you plenty, plenty more customers. Um, so I think that's a big thing is if you want to get into this industry is invest in your ex experience. So don't necessarily only focus on the product that you're giving to a customer, but how it's packaged and how the customer receives it is just as important. Um, so as you know, actually packaging this entire experience is has been something that's worked out really, really well for us. And like you're saying, kind of giving your, your customer the best experience. So they actually become an influencer, you know, just by that, that giving that good experience. How pivotal has social media been um, for you guys to kind of, you know, grow your brand? Oh, it's been huge, Ashan. Um, yes, I don't know. I, I don't know how anyone did business before social media. <laughs> You know, um, just the amount of reach that you can have on social media um, is absolutely crazy. Um, and, you know, just people talking about your product. It, it, we realized that there was like a week where people were just, um, they were just happy to experience Baileys. Um, they had that excitement that, you know what, I've just experienced Baileys to, to the point where like people were taking photos um, and saying that I just had Bailey's, like it's a huge honor, you know, to have our product. Um, uh, so social media has been huge. Um, and I, I thank God that, you know, I've, I've been in previous ventures where I've had to use social media and learn to understand social media. Um, and hence, you know, our graphic, um, has been something that's been very important for us. We've made sure that all images and videos that come uh, from our social media pages of a particular quality. Um, and people yeah. literally start drooling over the photos before they experience the food. So to the point, the, the, the only thing we actually have to do is, you know, give them a product that looks like whatever they've seen in the photo because they've got this excitement from the photo itself. Um, so yeah, and also just being social, just being socially responsible um, on social media is, you know, we've, we've, you know, avoided things that we need not get into. Um, you know, uh, we've run our social media account like a business account. You know, we don't, we don't like things that yeah. are not business related. We don't comment on things that are not business related. It's been purely a business account. Even the hashtags we use, um, you know, they've been very um, direct. It hasn't been just a random trending topic. Uh, we've tried, you know, to be as professional as we can be on those social media platforms. Um, so, yeah. And just to close off, you guys only operate, um, is it six days a week? Yeah. 
so what's the thing, the, the, the thought process behind that? Um, and why only six days? Because the argument is always, you know, you close one day, it's potentially one day of business gone kind of thing. But what's your thought process behind that? I think, you know, cause we are a startup, um, we, the entire management team and my parents, we very involved in the business. Um, and we literally, um, you know, the business has become our life now. Um, so seven days a week was very strenuous. Um, and as much as it can take away from our profits, we realized that, you know, running ourselves into the ground, um, doesn't do well for the business either. So we dedicated Sundays as like, you know, a day of rest um, and just time to reflect on the week and get ourselves prepared for the next week. We didn't want to find ourselves so fatigued uh, that, you know, we end up not giving customers a service they deserve or slacking in terms of uh, the the product itself, you know. Um, so we decided that, you know what, to to get to a place where we want to and, you know, continue the spirit of excellence that we run our business with, um, that some break is needed and we need to take time out where we just relax. Uh, and that one day off is, you know, that time we get to do that. And hopefully, you know, once we grow, um, there'll be people to actually run and manage it without us being there. Um, and then surely we'd be able to run on a seven day week and just to close off um if someone has to you know want to order something from bailey's what's your first recommendation you know what what's the the first meal they should try out Ooh, that's a tricky one shan because everything's great boy <laughs> um but not yeah yeah let me think I'm, I'm blowing my own horn but i think my personal favorite is the is the beef patty cotta um, so for people who don't know what a cotta is, it's a, a, a quarter of a loaf of bread. So you cut it um, and then you open the top and you fill it with chips and other um, amazing things. Or well, Bailey's, that's amazing things. Um, so yeah, so what we do is we have lettuce, we have acha, we have chips, we've got ham, uh, it's got egg. It's got cheese and then the beef patty comes um, and then fried onion rings and red onion. It's the best thing you'll taste in your life, Shan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you get to experience it soon so that uh, yeah. you tell us how it is and it's not me just blowing our horn. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, once COVID settles down in Gauteng, I'll definitely journey out and come through and, and experience it. We'll be looking forward to it, Sean. Thanks so much for coming through Beats. Um, appreciate you kind of sparing the time. And, you know, it's it's really good to see Bailey's thriving even in this uncertain time. And I think um, it's just testament to the product itself. So, yeah, congrats to you and the family. And, yeah, thanks for coming through. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, an honor to, you know, be, as I said at the beginning of the meeting, to be one of the first to be featured. Uh, and I wish you the best of luck. And I, I pray that things take off. And uh, hopefully we'll get to spend uh, some time playing golf soon enough. Um, yeah. So I can show you how to play golf, first of all, Shan. 
and uh, <laughs> teach you where the fairway is. <laughs>